The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, very poetic sounding pour this morning, the, the first, The first stanza is uh, <laughs> Dane Sellers Sauvignon Blanc. Well, like it says on, on my book, Robert Louis Stevenson, wine is and, bottled and the poetry. The wine is so bottled poetry. How cool I feel like that? I've seen that on a sign somewhere you in some so? other valley. <laughs> we are... Uh, we are not there. We're not there. We're also like way above our pay grade on this one. Uh, you know, today, our guest, John... Well, welcome, everybody, yeah. to The Winemakers. I'm John Myers with Bart Hansen, Phil Katuri, Sam Katuri, and Ada Limon, the 24th Poet Laureate of the United States of America. Welcome, and welcome back to Sonoma. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to be with you guys. I, I, I just want to say... And, we're, and then we're like, all yeah, right, we got nothing now. Do you just exactly please right. save us, Ada? Read something, make us sound smart. We got nothing. We have also... The poet laureate of Winery sixteen six hundred, Phil right. Turi. <laughs> yeah. The lead poet died drunk. Well, and Phil, you you were a poetry major, correct? Was that, yeah. You were a poetry yeah, we, we major. Say that into the microphone again. The lead poet died drunk, trying to embrace the reflection of the moon in the Yellow River. Mm-hmm. In the Yellow River. Mm-hmm. And Lee Poe has always been my 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 go go to poet. Your oh, your go to drunken Chinese poet. Mm-hmm. Drunken Chinese poet. Mm. <laughs> they were the only drunk on wine. <laughs> Only drunk online. <laughs> Only. Oh, heroin? No, there was no heroin. There was opium. There was opium. <laughs> Sorry. I, I saw an old ad the other day from Bayer Manufacturing, Bayer Phar- Pharmaceuticals. Bay- Bayer, yeah. yeah. And it's aspirin, manufacturers of aspirin and heroin. The preferred cough suppressor <laughs> okay whatever man. definitely you'll stop coughing didn't bear by monsanto yes so yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. this is good still de- yeah still yeah. delivering mm-hmm. you know, the business of getting mm-hmm. us sick and selling yeah. us things still, that they'll tell us still make getting us, us sick yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well um sam i think you said that you wanted to start with asking your dad a couple questions uh well <laughs> I mean, we you know we are in uncharted territory here for the Winemakers Podcast with uh, as an esteemed guest as as Ada, um, so I thought maybe we should have a little bit of wine and vineyard context, mostly because um, you know with the crazy weather that we've had in California in this past week, uh, you know a hurricane, tropical storm making landfall, and just sort of capping a, a crazy weather year, um, and harvest starting everywhere except for us. Um, I thought we'd do a quick sort of vintage update um, and talk about where we're at. I, you know, I walked through Muchas Piedras and uh, Simon's uh, Marsan yesterday, and basically it's all green berries. Mm. Mm. Is, is has started, uh, and <clears throat> it's going to be real quick. It's, it's not going to it's not going to be a prolonged Verasion. Verasion being color change. Right. And so our, our softening of berries as it ripens. Um, this morning, I was watching the news, and I was in Tahoe, 
and it was news from from KCRA in Sacramento. Yeah. Today they started the tomato harvest. Today, in, uh, today started it started in, Sa- in the Sacramento Valley. That's a month late. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, we're looking at the same thing with you know maybe not quite a month, um, but. You know, a year ago, we were, we everything was was verated, everything was in deep color, and as we moved into Labor Day weekend last year, we ended up with a ten day heat storm that d- d- destroyed a lot of fruit. This year, I'm not worried about, about a heat storm, a, a yeah. traditional Labor Day heat storm, because we'll be ending veration probably middle middle to beginning of the following week. So, yeah. uh, as we move into Labor Day, we'll be. Uh, not uh, not as ripe as we were a year ago. Uh, the the atmosphere, the the heat this year has been as I remember it growing up in Sonoma, where we'd have two to three days of warm weather and the fog would come in, mm-hmm. and even having more. And that's that's what we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, and you know we never picked. I traditionally tra- traditionally always picked Zin around my birthday, which is first the third of October. And I, that's what I'm looking at this year, you know? mm. which would be two weeks later than we picked it last year. Two weeks later, so precisely. We're uh, degree days. We're about a third behind we were a year ago, and and degree oh. days is the continual hours where it's above uh, I think 58 or 60 degrees, 60 mm. to 85 or something. Some, right? the, the, yeah. per, the perfect slot. I I I appreciate your uh, comment about the fog because. Sam, you and I have been talking about it on here for over a year now about how it is kind of the return of the fog. Like mm. there was a, the fog was gone for a number of years yes. from what we remember growing yeah. up. Right. Um, and, but, but it is, it's amazing. Like it, we're not getting those extreme temperatures yet. We're not. And you know, there, there's so much moisture. There's a lot of moisture in the air, you know, right. of course with, with, uh, Hillary getting her revenge, mm-hmm. <laughs> Hillary's revenge upon us. Um, but the, it, it, there's been moisture in the air. Even the, the, our, our heat spike, we've gotten up to 100 degrees a couple of times uh, during this growing season, uh, most recently about a week ago. But there, the, it, it doesn't last long. And, and it's not this incredibly dry heat that we're normally used to. Uh, and, you know, what, what, what I always think what's normal as, as we turn into September and we get the offshore winds and that's you know around the end of September, beginning of October. To me, that's what really sets our flavors, and mm. and, and we'll see what as, as I look forward to that this year. Yeah, Phil, you I know through conversations you've always said that uh, you know we shouldn't start picking red grapes until October, right? Like yeah, you know, you see, after the solstice, after the solstice, and um, all those people that were always in a rush to pick. Uh, they're going to be forced to wait this time, aren't they? They, they are going to be forced to mm-hmm, wait, mm-hmm. And, and there'll be. Uh, a nice long hang time. <clears throat> There's nothing <clears throat> better than having the fruit be numerically ripe and have the ability to let it hang for two more weeks, because the, the, so that you get you get uh, uh, that the, the, the sensually ripe where, where the, the, everything gets soft and the juice starts to flow, and that's really what I look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're uh... Last night I was in San Francisco, and Tristan, who works in the tasting room, spotted a family of Italian tourists. And Tristan is fluent in Italian and looking for his uh, any attempts to practice. Um, I started talking to them and invited them to the tasting room, and they're just showing up now as we speak. 
Um, and he, of course, <laughs> isn't here today. It's his day off. <laughs> well played, Tristan, when you listen to this one. You, it worked out exactly how you planned. Um, I, you know, Verasion is such an interesting time in the vineyards. And the the word Verasion, um, if you look at the, sort of the roots of it, it's um, it's truth, you know, ver, um, and it's about, you know, the, the sort of poetic way of looking at it is this is when the grapes sort of start to, you know, take their true form. Mm. Um, and and one of the reasons that I was so excited to, to sit down and talk to you, Ada, um, is, you know, with the wines that we make and the wines that Bart makes and, and you know, the wines that Jeff Baker mm-hmm. has made um, his whole career are about capturing a sense of place mm. and and you know extracting the truth of the vintage and the vineyard and and putting it in the bottle uh, mm. and and as far as art forms go um poetry seems like sort of the perfect vehicle for that of like mm. you know capturing a sense of place yeah. especially you know the poems based in nature the you know the gary snyder that that my dad yeah. studied in college and and um through life um and it seems like the work that you do has, you know, the, I sent around State Bird um, to the podcast crew when when I told them that, you know, we'd, we'd gotten you for our, our little humble <laughs> show here. And um, it's just a poem to me that was drenched in terroir, oh, you know, yeah. drenched in a sense of place. So yeah. I, I mean, start this conversation. We'll kind of talk about your background and history and trajectory right. and Sonoma roots. But um, talk about capturing a sense of place in in with words and poetry and if that's something that you even think about as you're as you're sitting down with pen and paper yeah i love that question and actually do think there's a lot of similarities between winemaking grape growing and um poetry and i think a lot of it is about that it's about how you represent a place and how you can hold on to that place i always think that sometimes um poetry it's not always about joy, right? I mean, there's a lot of sad poems out there and a lot of intense poems that deal with crisis and trauma. Um, But at the same time, there are times where you can kind of distill a moment, a place or um, something you've experienced and pin it to the page. And when you can actually feel like it's sort of still living and then return to it, it feels like you can actually step into that room again or step into that place again. Um, and it feels like a, a type of resurrection in yeah. some ways. And so I feel like when a poem to me is complete, it does feel like it's still living. It doesn't feel like it's um, it's necessarily done or finished or ended, but it just feels like it is itself, right? It is a complete room. And at some point you can enter it at any moment. And I feel that's actually very similar to like when you, when you do open, you know, a a bottle of wonderful wine or, you know, something from here, at least for me being born and raised in this Valley, um, when I'm homesick, I know exactly what to do, right? You know, I know exactly what to do. And I go get in my basement, a bottle of Jeff's wine, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I am home again. And I feel that same way with poetry. I do feel like it can bring you back to those places. Um, and whether it's a, it's a physical place or a spiritual place, um, it can ground you in that. And that's really important to me. And for a long time, 
um, when I lived in New York, you know, I, I was born and raised in the Valley. I lived in New York I, uh, for almost 12 years, came back to the Valley with intention of staying. Um, and then my partner, who I was in love with, um, became my husband and he moved to Kentucky to start his business, um, which is a joke is that I've gone from, from the wine country to, to bourbon country. Um, <laughs> it's <all about> but <laughs> distilled spirits. Yeah, yeah. I have to, wherever I go, it has to have a significant thing, right, you know? Right, right. I guess, you know, Porto will be next. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all mine all train experience yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um but but i do think that um that having that experience and like writing about places when i'm not there or writing about places when i am there feels like a way of either memorializing the place or the moment or reminding myself mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. place when i'm when i'm deeply homesick mm-hmm. um it, it, so that's really important to me in my process and so when you're I, maybe I should rethink this question. When you're in a place, <laughs> yeah, fire away, yeah, when when you when you've already started it. It's too late. When, when you're in a place and you're inspired to write something down, yeah. Um, is is it usually is that done from the spirit of that place, or does the beginning of it allow you to work? Can you talk about the process a little bit? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like when if you come into a place and you feel like you want to capture the essence of that, do you write it down? Do you however you capture it, yeah. or do you write notes and come back to it? And is that part of the process? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it differs. Each poem is kind of different. Um, sometimes I can be in the place and I'm, um, and I'm moved to record exactly what's happening. And I'm thinking this, and then I think, oh, this is just note taking. I get home and go, no, that actually was a complete poem. Mm. Um, most of the time it's note taking. Most of the time it's remembering certain lines, remembering images, writing down, and then going back when I have something more time, more contemplative, more space between um, the event itself and the making. Right. Um, and then that makes a poem. Um, but it's, it happens both ways. Um, you know, if I can write a complete poem in actual one sitting in a moment, that's, you know, a day I should play the lottery, I think. Um, <laughs> so that doesn't often happen. A lot of times it's more working, crafting, making, revising, and then revising and revising again and reading it out loud as many times as I can get it to actually get it to complete. Um, but uh, but at the same time, there are times when, um, you know, I'm I'm very moved either by a memory like I'll be in a place like maybe I'm sitting in Kentucky and I'm very moved by a memory from here in the valley, right. you know, or vice versa. Right. And so um, I think all poets will tell you that time doesn't exist for them. Um, and so I feel like all of those all, like it's just a continuum. Um, and so when I'm working in that kind of memory, um, all the places are are with me. Right. I, and I think part of where I was going with this is I think about like artists and the difference between an artist that, you know, goes to a place, maybe does a sketch, takes a photograph of it and then goes and paints the picture mm. as opposed to plain air yeah. where you're there and you are just immersed and you finish it. And, yeah. and I, I'm just those things always I wonder about. So yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, and yeah, the answer is sort of both both ways. Yeah. As you, as you described that, <clears throat> you were describing what happens when you taste a vintage wine, mm-hmm. you open up an old bottle and it, you, you're capturing that moment in time mm-hmm. when, as you do when you write a poem, that, that, that there's a story when that bottle's opened. Mm-hmm. And as you taste it, you remember the vintage, you remember what happens with the people that you're drinking that wine with maybe 10 years later yeah. when you open that same wine, maybe the different vintage, but the same 
the, the, the same winemaker or however they wanted to approach it. And it's never perfect. Yeah. And time creates perfection or creates illusions of perfection yeah. or the alcohol creates illusions of, of, of perfection. And, and that's the, 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 the beauty of, of the, 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 the similarities of capturing wine and capturing poetry. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're constantly, the poem constantly changes. Yeah. And the and flavor I, is constantly that's in, 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 in change. So true, because I think it's also about, not only about what is there on the page or there in the bottle, but also what you bring to it. Right. right? Like right. we always say that um, there's, there's, you know, because poetry is written uh, in, in a lineated way, and it might have stanzas or sejuras or line breaks or whatever around it, there's space around it. And that's the space for the reader. That's the space for another person to enter. And you bring whatever baggage of the day, whatever triumph of the day, you know, to, to the poem. And you do that with wine too, right? You bring yourself, whether it's chaotic and messy or whether it's calm and collected um, or whatever you're, you're going through, you bring yourself to that. And that changes the experience and will change the memory of that. Sam shared. Enhance, yeah. Enhances them. Yeah. Often enhances it. Yeah. Ada, Sam uh, shared a poem with us called State Bird. Yeah. And and you talk about terroir in a poem. It's beautiful. I and great. Because I, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I love the fact you even get into where you live in it. I mean, your home. <laughs> it's fascinating. So. I, I was so proud of Sam for like linking terroir to it. I mean, it, I, I mean, when you said it, yeah. I immediately got it. I, I mean, you know, I'd had this idea that terroir could come through in a poem. And that was like, you know, how I could justify to myself trying to get the U.S. Poet Laureate to come on our wine podcast. Uh, well, that's. But, and then and then I found that, I mean, you know, it didn't take a whole lot of googling uh ada limon to find that one i'm not like you know it wasn't studying hard um you ever. use the internet i used the internet <laughs> to make my to, to look smart in front of my friends uh, and it just but that one was just like it leapt out of my phone screen as just like drenched in being in kentucky and, yeah. and what that felt like and whether or not that's where you wanted to be you were finding the joy there yeah um, it's it's pretty special oh piece, and i can't wait to hear it because yeah. you know re place? again reading it off your iphone yeah it leaves a little bit to be desired yeah i would love to read it and um it's funny because i actually there's a poem in my first book that kind of i think that this one maybe responds to that's sort of a sonoma bird poem and so i think this oh, is can we, be well, a good yeah. kentucky let's, let's kentucky do, bird poem first <laughs> um and uh i'll i'll start this by saying that um you know i the poem begins with, um, I was really hoping in 2010, I moved all of my things out of New York into um, my place on uh, Moon Mountain and was really like, this is going to be, I'm so excited. This is my home again. And then I ended up in Kentucky and I love my, my beautiful, wonderful, uh, kind husband. Um, and I, I do love Kentucky, but it took me a while to surrender to it, if you will. State bird. Confession. I did not want to live here. Not among the goldenrod, 
wild onions or the drop seed, not waist high in the barrel aged brown corn water, not with the million dollar racehorses, nor the tightly wound round hay bales, not even in the old tobacco way station we live in with its heavy metal safe doors that frame our bricked bedroom like the mouth of a strange beast yawning to suck us in each night like air. I denied it, this new land. But love, I'll concede this. Whatever state you are, I'll be that state's bird. The loud, obvious blur of song people point to when they wonder where it is you've gone. Beautiful. Way better heard than read <laughs> off my iPhone. I'll say that. Uh, the thing that strikes me about it, especially the, you know, sort of the first half or two thirds is when I hear it, I'm, I'm smelling all of those things, mm. you know, smelling the golden rod and the, you know, sort of the grasslands, the bourbon, yeah. the hay, the horses, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the tobacco, mm. just like the, the richness of the aroma in there. Just like, mm. yeah. Yeah. And Kentucky cool. really is full of smells and senses. And I think when I struggled with sort of the state, figuring out who I was, you know, being a California girl, um, I had this moment of like, oh, how do you get to know a place? How do you, how do you belong or figure out how you belong in a place? And it's to get to know the plants and the animals, right? right? And that's how you do it. Right. And I suddenly was like, oh, right. And once I started sort of naming like, oh, I didn't know that's a sweet gum tree. I didn't know that this was that, you know, yeah, that right, I suddenly right. could relax in the place and feel like I was more yeah. identified with yeah. the land. Yeah. And then I felt like I could belong there. Um, and I think that was a big part of it. So, but those, yeah, it's a, it's a deeply rich smelling place. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very fertile. It's very green. And I always laugh at the, the hair, the air smells like horses, you know, like it literally does <laughs> smell does like horses. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. really does. Especially in the summertime, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, when you were talking about the development of a poem and the most important part of a poem is to hear it. Yeah, and, and and you know you could read it, but re reading it to yourself, but but reading it out out loud yeah. to get get part of the dance of 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 the words on the on the on the page and the breath that you have presenting it uh, makes you know makes things come alive again. It's like giving air to open it in a bottle of wine. It is. You it know, is exactly because yeah. it's the breath. The breath is what controls how the words that we put on a page. Yeah. Breath is what controls what we do in the vineyard. Mm -hmm. And breath is what we do when we open a bottle of wine. Yeah. You let it breathe. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and then get the aromas. Yeah. 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 yeah so. And you have to feel it in the body. Yeah, you do. Right? Like you, you have you, to. You have to. Yeah. It's not. I think a lot of people think that writing poems is an intellectual activity, but it really is a whole body activity. Yeah. Um, and it has to be in the bloodstream, like Lorca says, talks about duende, like it has to actually be roused up through the blood. Yeah, through the, through the spirits. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you through have to have a you have to have a clear mind and and uh, probably allow yourself to actually connect with it, right? As mm. um, to actually pay attention and not be distracted by yeah. outside pressures. Yeah. Although I will say, there's sometimes when people will say, you know, oh you were reading that poem and I went someplace else and I was in this, you know, other place. And I think that's okay too. You might not have stayed with me through the whole poem, but it made you have this feeling or memory of your own, 
whether it was your own family or your own experience or, you know, and that to me also yeah. is a beautiful thing, right? I mean, the nice thing about poetry is there's no right, an right answer. You know, there's no one way to experience it. And so if you do get distracted and go down, you know, this other sort of place, that's beautiful too. I love that. It's interesting how poetry seems to be you observing life where most people just kind of roll right through it without even looking you know mm. they don't stop and smell the roses but i mean you actually stop and kind of listen to the roses and yeah. identify that yeah. what it's like to be with the roses and that, yeah. that's cool because you remind everybody else that there's more to life than just getting up going to work coming home crashing doing it again doing yeah. it again doing it again until you pass yeah. that's it most so many people live their lives like yeah. that and they don't take the chance to enjoy life i think that's the uh, one of the jobs of a poet i mean yeah i mean i think that um you know a lot of poets will tell you like well, you know why do you write why do you, you know why do you spend time doing this and it's like i think a very simple and maybe um morbid answer but it's because we are going to die <laughs> and i think that and i think that is why you know and so i don't want to miss anything and i think that it's very easy to almost live as if every day will keep coming and when you when you live that way you miss things because you're just thinking about the next day or right. the next thing or the next item on the list that needs to be checked off. And then when you think, okay, wait, maybe today's it. Maybe tomorrow's it. Maybe, you know, then you start to pay attention in a different way. And I think poets really have a sense of their mortality built in, in a way that I don't necessarily think is um, depressing. Um, but I do think it makes it more um, technicolor the world, if you will. Do you have a favorite thing to write about? Oh, it's definitely nature. Definitely nature. Yeah. I mean, because I'm amazed by it. It's, you know, I, I, I'm sometimes, you know, find my own brain a troubled place to be. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and nature is the place where if I'm observing something or looking around, even where we are right now, I'm seeing so many things that, um, that I'm loving to look at. And I feel this, uh, that's just, it always brings me back to myself. And I think that I can forget that I'm animal, <laughs> that I'm a human yeah, animal. That's right. And uh, nature reminds me that I'm an animal. And that means I belong to this planet. Is Kentucky as much of a nature bubble as I think Sonoma is? I mean, I've lived in New York City and Chicago, so mm -hmm. I've lived in cement, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, coming out here is such a new trip for me because yeah. it's fascinating you know yeah. it's all nature and you can go and look in any direction and see beauty in nature yeah. is, is lexington and kentucky yeah. like that kentucky is very much like that it's a different kind of nature it's um you know of course it's more pasture land because it's uh, it's all mostly horses wherever you look as the, the animal you will see is horses whether they're thoroughbreds or standard breds or quarter horses um and they're everywhere. Um, but in terms of its natural raw beauty, you know, the Red River Gorge, all of those slate and limestone uh, structures, natural bridges that uh, are just incredible that you can walk across. And, and a lot of people come out and do rock climbing. Um, it's, it's actually really quite beautiful. A lot of lakes and rivers. Um, and, uh, and again, I didn't know that. In fact, I, I think I was surprised. You know, you hear the word Kentucky, you don't know. You think bourbon and horses, I guess, and maybe basketball. Um, 
but uh which have have yeah. a certain draw all three yeah, of those yeah. things for sure. yeah but you don't i didn't i didn't know about the natural beauty but it really is really quite beautiful in, in lots of ways you know um being a third generation californian sam's fourth and our grandkids fifth when you live in california you're spoiled yeah and because you because of of our beautiful natural environment that we live in yeah. but there is so much beauty whenever you do go have the ability mm -hmm. to, to see it and 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 i think of william carlos williams mm. who grew up in patterson new jersey yeah. and captures and in, in, in nature in such a beautiful way that, that you know from a red wheelbarrow you yeah. know and just how you if, if a poem makes you stop mm -hmm. as you say mm -hmm. it for a moment and leave your body yeah. and be be put in that so you could see something through somebody else's eyes it's worked yeah and and, and the, the uh the, the the poet's responsibility is to be to, to transport you to that point that point you yeah. know and, and it's and, and you know from california to kentucky or from you know california to going to the, the desert of nevada mm -hmm. or the desert of new york city yeah. you know <laughs> And, and there's there, there and as you know, I've always went to, with poetry and nature and being in the vineyards as as uh, you know all my life, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just to watch you know the prenuptials of of hawks. Yeah. You know, or the prenuptials of somebody going to a, into a dance contest. Yeah. You, you know, you're able to draw those those parallels, and that's that's the beauty of poetry, yeah. and with wine. The it gives you the freedom to draw those parallels yeah, lots of times, you know. I agree. Yeah, I think being raised here, um, and I and I don't know how. I mean, everyone has their own upbringing, but I was raised in this valley and you know Glen Allen and Sonoma, and I think that um, you know you go. I went to Dunbar School. It's just gorgeous. It's just surrounded by beauty. The amount of oak trees that are around it, you know, all of these. We would just have. I remember sitting, you know, our my first grade teacher, Mr. Mike, who I just saw the other day. Um, that we would go out into the fields and uh, like our assignment was to, to name and identify what was around us just within sit in one place and be able to name and identify these things. And, you know, that was that was in first grade. Yeah. And I do think there is not only the connection of the beauty that we see, but also um, that I think the community here is is very much about protecting and preserving um, that witnessing yeah. of that beauty, yeah. um, which I think not always the case Pre preserving it is is all, always all, all, yeah, that 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 dichotomy that we got to live with uh because it is such a beautiful place people want to be here yeah and when you have people people are a pain in the butt you know because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, how do you how do you control aesthetics mm -hmm. maybe everybody should be required to read a certain amount of poetry before they're allowed to live in sonoma <laughs> oh i i think that's absolutely a great begin, idea but then you end up like Ezra Pound and become a fascist. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And make them, bring make them pass Pound. a test. <laughs> yeah. They have to listen to a certain amount of poetry. They can read it all they want. They have to listen to, have it. To listen to it. Well, you yeah. know, when, when we were kids, we were, uh, quote unquote, forced to read poetry, of mm. course, in school. And it always seemed a little bit complicated, a little too deep for most of us. I'll include myself. Mm. But you draw people in mm. to it. it. It seems it's not simplistic. It's just uh, open. It's open. It's drawing me in. What's the nature of that? How, how do you do that? 
Yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate that compliment. I mean, I, it is, uh, it is something I like to do. I mean, I think oftentimes I am writing poems for myself and my own experience or for my friends or family or, you know, beloveds. But I think that there's a, um, I do think that I like poetry that connects. Um, and I like there to be something because I think you can write a poem that's just for yourself and that's beautiful, but I, I, don't necessarily think then you should be upset that no one reads it. <laughs> I think that if you want to connect, you should write poetry that connects. And that was important to me, um, especially, uh, you know, I think that I was, you get your, I got my MFA at NYU. And I think there was, there was a moment when I graduated um, where everyone was writing poetry that was very intellectual um, and it felt like every poem was an exercise in proving how smart you were. <laughs> and I could do that. I could do that. And, but I didn't like the poems that came out of it. And um, I didn't want to obfuscate a meaning or truth. And I wanted poems that, um, that I liked. I wanted poems I could give to my stepdad, you know, and I, who, who doesn't have a, you know, a college degree. And I wanted to be able to give poems to people who weren't poets. And I realized that getting out of the, you know, the MFA, which I had a wonderful experience and actually really appreciate my degree. But, um, but I do think that we, we, we were just writing for each other. And poets sometimes have that trouble where it gets insular, where poetry is just written for other poets and, and the cycle continues. And I didn't want that. I wanted to um, I wanted to write poems for everyone. You've been doing an awful lot of uh, press lately, you mm -hmm. know, with being nominated. This is your second time, correct, as mm -hmm. poet laureate? Yeah, my my um, I, my first term just ended, and my second two year term um, technically starts in September. So, um, and then that's uh, so cool. Thank it you. Really, is. and then I'll I mean, serve <laughs> until April twenty twenty five. And then I will nap. Then you'll just see me around town napping. <laughs> On your bench. <laughs> on my bench. I will be napping on my bench. <laughs> so you've been doing a lot of interviews lately. What are a couple of the key points that you'd like to get out there? Mm. Some of the key messages that haven't been asked lately. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that people talk about a lot is, you know, how do we understand poetry or how, you know, what makes a poem good or you know, maybe I don't understand it. What's wrong with me? That kind of, there's a lot of frustration or um, uh, anxiety around poems because they're afraid that they are not understanding it. And I always think it's, it's much more like music. Like if you're not, you're not going to listen to, you know, a Neil Young song and be like, well, I don't understand absolutely everything he's saying. So I'm not going to like it. <laughs> or that means it's not for me. Yeah. There's a, you know, you can, you can, appreciate parts of a poem you can you can speak you can say i don't know what this means but i like it or there's something in it that moves me and i think that a mistake that we make is thinking that it's some kind of you know oh if you're not getting x y and z meaning then you don't understand poetry why is that why do people have that kind of you know i think it has to do with maybe the way people were taught poetry you know that it was supposed to be something you um you explicated and you know, you took notes and you were like, I understood that this means this. And, you know, and if you didn't get that, you failed the test. 
And, you know, poetry is not at all uh, about test. <laughs> it really isn't. It's about um, saving your soul. And so I think that you can, uh, you can just, you, you can just ease into it and listen to it with, um, with your whole body without any kind of expectations of, um, of solving it. Um, so, I mean, don't you think that conversation helps bring that out as opposed to, as you say, a test, mm. like for young people, yeah. like, you know, being able to sit around and discuss it and, and try to get what people's thoughts are would yeah. be the best way to, to kind of share that and learn it. It would seem like, yeah, I think it's not, it's just, you know, reading and discussing it, feel like, Oh, what's, what, what did you like about this? You know, right. what, what do you remember about this? What's it doing? You know, those kind of just questions, Yeah. you know, mm -hmm. just questions, right. But there's no like, Oh, that's not there or this, you know, just, Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know? And then I think, especially, uh, you know, kids are so creative that if they can write their own poems, they start to see, Oh, this is how you might make something. Right. Now I'm making this. Now I have something to compare it to, you know, being able to engage in it, that everyone can be a poet. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone can make a poem. Can you talk a little bit about what your responsibilities are with this position? As the, as the U.S. Yeah. poet. Yeah. 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 What, what is that? You have, a, you have a business card that says U.S. poet. <laughs> It doesn't have a government stamp on it. I, yeah. Everybody wants a title, so yeah. That's um, I don't have a business card. I should have brought you bookmarks. I do have bookmarks. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> I'll make sure you get some. Um, yeah. So I, I do. I. Um, I. It's. A, I'm appointed by the Librarian of Congress, Dr. Carla Hayden, um, and so technically, I do work for the library, and um, I do work for Congress. Um, and so my you work for Congress, so you get so, to go tell the, thank uh, God somebody <laughs> works in Congress, Seriously. Like, a voice of reason, a voice of reason. <laughs> and so, um, because of that, the role, uh, is also something that, um, should be nonpartisan, bipartisan in some ways. Um, but the main, the main mission that Dr. Carla Hayden sort of gave me was to elevate and expand the, you know, the audience for poetry to give voice to poetry. And, um, and so, uh, I am creating a national poetry project that will be announced on September 6th. Okay. Um, and, uh, breaking that, news here on the winemakers yes, podcast. It's breaking news here. Wow. And, um, and, uh, I can't give, go into it in too much detail, but I can say it is going to be about poetry and the natural world. So you have something in common with, Chuck Berry, because he wrote Johnny Be Good. And of course, that was launched into space with what was it, Voyager or? Voyager, yeah. 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 On so, the Golden Record, yeah. Yeah. So, some, you know, whoever finds it can understand that he was a rocker out of St. Louis. Yeah. So, your work is going to be launched into space coming up. Can you tell us about how you got with NASA and what it's all about? Yeah. And, and I just want to say that I brought a bottle with a cork. <laughs> so we're all going to put our message in it and you'll take sure it to the spaceship. You'll oh, get it on the I spaceship, it. right? I love it. We okay. will, it's a reusable we will, bottle. Yeah. We'll make sure NASA sees that. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, a wild, I mean, you can't imagine it's a, sort of the wildest, uh, invitation you can receive and the, the, I was just telling Sam earlier that there was a moment where I had turned down a large request from an organization and um, I just I, I had a lot of conflicting ideas and thoughts about it um, and so I, I wasn't sure and so I finally just said I, you know what I'm not going to write this poem for, for you guys um, and um, and then about a week later I got an email from NASA saying well will you you know, would you be interested in writing a poem 
for the spacecraft, uh, the Europa Clipper, which will go to the second moon of Jupiter, which is an icy moon that uh, <laughs> they believe has um, all the ingredients for life. As they well, say. if you watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, of course it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so uh, they, you know, they give, they gave me some stipulations. They said that they wanted it to be um, read at the fourth grade level. Um, it could only be so many words, as you can imagine. Um, I couldn't do, I couldn't do, you know, Walt Whitman, you know, uh, they, they couldn't create a second spacecraft just to carry the rest of the poem. <laughs> So how do we condense yeah. the, the printed volume? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they wanted, you know, they they wanted it to include water and the element of water. And of course, when I think about what connects us and why this mission is so important, is because of of water. Um, and of course, as Californians, yeah. we know. Yeah. I mean, water is. We think about water all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, and so, I remember as we were. Um, having this Zoom call with the the scientists and the you know the the, the mission um, folks at the Clipper, they you know I wrote in my journal during that first meeting, we too are made of water, and that that became um, a line that was in the the finished poem. Can uh, you read the poem for us? Yeah, do we have find it on the internet real quick? And so fabulous. Yeah, you know, I would love to read. The well, poem. it's a little bit different, a little more elevated than a bench outside of reader books, but that's cool too. <laughs> the, I mean, as, it's well, very elevated, Ada elevated said, in the true sense. Yeah. <laughs> as, as Ada, you got to watch every word you said has many meetings now. <laughs> the it is the first monument on the Sonoma Plaza to a woman. Correct. Even though it's you know we won't we won't All split right. hairs yeah. and it's, it's right. half a block off, off the plaza, but, <laughs> but the heart of the plaza is readers' books anyway. So we'll we'll give. Uh, Andy and, and our dealer departed Lilla, they're due on that one. But, yes, uh, definitely. Right, everybody, yeah. definitely. Ada Lemion. Okay, this is the poem for um, for the Europa Clipper. And um, it's interesting, I actually wrote this poem in Maui ah. uh, at W.S. Merwin's home uh. in, in the town called Haiku. Haiku, yeah. In Praise of Mystery, a poem for Europa. Arching under the night sky, Inky with black expansiveness, we point to the planets we know. We pin quick wishes on stars. From Earth, we read the sky as if it is an unerring book of the universe, expert and evident. Still, there are mysteries below our sky. The whale song, the songbird singing its call in the bow of a wind-shaken tree. We are creatures of constant awe. Curious at beauty, at leaf and blossom, at grief and pleasure, sun and shadow. And it is not darkness that unites us, not the cold distance of space, but the offering of water. Each drop of rain, each rivulet, each pulse, each vein. Oh, second moon, we too are made of water, of vast and beckoning seas. We too are made of wonders, of great and ordinary loves, of small, invisible worlds, of a need to call out through the dark. Wow. Thank you. That's a stunning poem. Thank you. And you're going to read this at the launch of the Europa Clipper. 
which is a cool name for a ship, just like Millennium Falcon, <laughs> which I want a Millennium Falcon. I definitely do. Now, and now we want a Europa Clipper, too. Yeah, Europa Clipper, yeah. I actually have um, uh, the um, the head of the uh, NASA's uh, JPL, the Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena, gave me a model of the Clipper. Really? And it's in my office in uh, at the Library of Congress in D.C. in the Jefferson Building. I have my own office there, and so it's it's sitting there, and it's the most beautiful model. It's so oh. gorgeous. Wow, a clipper ship. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to imagine you have um, pinch me moments all the time in this <laughs> in this chapter uh, stanza of your of your trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about what it's like to be, you know, a little girl who grew up in Sonoma. Yeah. And now, um, you know, getting emails from NASA yeah. and writing poems that are going to fly yeah. into space. Like, that's yeah. just got to be um, the most surreal, but also, like, I, I mean, in your wildest dreams, could you have ever thought this would be yeah. the, the trajectory of your rocket ship? No. No. <laughs> no. No. Um, I mean... I think that one of the things that's sort of beautiful about growing up in this valley is there are a lot of dreamers Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of space for dreams that people, you know, you want to be a dancer. Okay, we can figure that out. You know, I was laughing that like, you know, you want to be a dancer or, you know, an actor or join the circus. And like, I actually know three people who have literally become an actor, become a dancer and and have joined joined the the circus circus. (laughs) who have come from Sonoma. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I do feel like it is a place of possibilities, but you know, I, I knew I, um, I knew I wanted to do something creative, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and I thought it was going to be performing, but actually most of my joy, you know, and I think that we all have different ways of being in the world. But for me, I like to perform. But my favorite thing in the world is ma- just making the poem. Mm-hmm. It's just being alone mm-hmm. and making the poem. And it feels like that's where I'm most free, like absolutely most free myself. And so I think um, having that as sort of the core engine of my life has always sort of guided me in different different ways. Um, but having imagine this no no i mean i thought i mean i i'm lucky i'm a, i am from a place where i worked at readers books so i saw people who were poets mm-hmm. i know a lot of little kids who grew up not knowing that being a poet is even a possibility you know i was the person that poured water for carolyn kaiser and poured water for phil levine when he read and sharon olds and you know and got their mic set up and at readers books so i knew that that was something mm-hmm. um and so that was a gift but in terms of where this has ended up and where it's going, I just I have no idea. And every day something happens that delights me and surprises me. And um, I keep thinking that the way I keep staying grounded is just remembering that I just want to make things that matter. And I keep wanting to make things that I really believe in. And if I keep doing that, um, then hopefully all the rest that follows will be of good intention and goodwill. It's quite well, a door right. you've opened, isn't it? I yeah. Mean, a whole new world out there. Yeah. Where where were you on Maui and what were you doing? Uh, yeah, I was on this? the uh, North Shore. It's a, a town called Haiku. Um, it's the home of W.S. Merwin. Um, uh, that's now the Merwin Conservancy. Merwin was um, the poet, also a poet laureate. 
um, and, and a marvelous, marvelous poet, uh, really beautiful poet of the natural world. And um, so they now invite people to come and stay for two weeks or a month and write poems. And uh, he created um, single-handedly, really, a, a palm forest, which has become a forest of palms from all over the world. They're not all native. But so many palms are threatened because they require a specific kind of um, terroir yeah. to survive. And yeah. so he just had people who thought, oh, this forest is being threatened. I'm going to send you the seed of these palms. And so he has planted this incredible palm forest. And his house is like a treehouse situated in um, in this palm forest. And when he passed away, it became the conservancy that's mm -hmm. there for, for other writers to come. And right, and that's where you were staying when you wrote this. Yeah, huh. around a lot of water. Yeah, and, and that, actually, Ramdas lived and died in, 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 outside of Haiku. Yeah, yeah. Richard Albert. It's a magical place. It really is. I'm so sorry really. of what happened. I mean, he, it's beyond words. Yeah, you know, it really is. And I, I'm actually been working with the Conservancy now. We've just been starting conversations about what um, we can do uh, with with poetry to help. You know, help. Help. Well, they did the same thing here after the fires, and even mm -hmm. Sam was involved. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We did a, a and, series of and, and what was the book called that you were in? Oh, we have a copy of it inside. Somewhere, it somewhere we have a copy. We have a copy, from we have a copy inside, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was done but via the, 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 the Museum, museum of Art. Museum of Art. Museum yes, Noma Valley. Yeah. Museum. I, you know. yeah, I contribute a poem, a, a poem to that. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. I, yeah. I didn't I've know been, that. I've been published alongside U.S. Poet Laureate. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I'm going to retire after this. Well, you know, it, it, it was just so interesting to hear everybody's take on the fire. And there were all sorts of different ones. I recorded um, some podcasts with the museum. Um, and had poets come over and read them and record. Yeah. And it was just fascinating learning about all these people and who, and they're just human beings. They don't have a particular aptitude mm. for one thing or another, but yeah. Clearly, I mean, but it, see, that's, but you don't the, have to but be. Poet, but po poetry, you have an aptitude towards it. Yeah. Because poetry is made from the breath of your life. Yeah. And, and I don't, if you're, you know, Gary Snyder talks about it in Rip Rap. You know, take that, take these words as, as stones placed placed down, and the the work and the life that you do, you create. Everybody creates poetry, yeah. and, and once they realize that that that, that some of the poetry rhymes, mm -hmm. but you and, and and you know there was structure that we had to break out of at, 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 that some poet broke out of at, at some at some point, but that's just, but everybody has that ability to ex experience the the passion the frust and the frustration in of expressions yeah. and and if they're able to, and and just allowed to do it and that's where poetry in the schools free kids up mm -hmm. you know Absolutely. so that so you can think outside the box so you're you're given this uh, when we're taught literature you're given all these rules mm -hmm. but when you think go outside the box you break the rules you question authority and you know you're able to express yourself, mm -hmm. and everybody has everybody. You know, being a famous poet is almost an oxymoron. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, 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 but being a poet is how I think is the way you choose to live your life. Yeah.
Yeah. And, 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 and expression. Did you have to read Carl Sandburg in high school and junior high? Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that... I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. <laughs> I think I shall never hear a poem as lovely as beer. And that was my, that was my Ralph, uh, Alfred E. Newman. This is the second <laughs> one. <laughs> well, the first time I really got into poetry, I think was probably Bob Dylan, mm. just listening yeah. to his lyrics because yeah. they were poetry. And Marty Ballon from the airplane, writing poetry and yeah. putting it to music, folk, folk rock music. Yeah. Robert Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I you mean, go. Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. You Would know? you put, have you ever had any of your lyrics put to music? Yes, I have. I have. Um, and it's been really wonderful. Actually, there was a, a poem I wrote in my book, The Carrying, called Notes on the Below, which is a poem for Mammoth Cave, which is one of the longest caves in the United States, um, longest caves in the world, I believe. And it's um, and uh, the uh, Louisville Orchestra did a whole um, rendition of oh. that poem. Wow. And Yo-Yo Ma played and they played Seriously, in nice. in the in mammoth cave nice. really yeah how cool is that <laughs> you know we just got tickets to sheku mason um in the city and that, like they sold out in four minutes and you know the first time i heard him was you know my wife was watching the royal wedding and i thought well this cat's good and yeah. it turns out like his whole family is as good as he is yeah and it's just a spectacular. I'm not sure how that runs in genetics or just <laughs> psychology or what, but yeah. uh, amazing. Yeah. And love and Yo-Yo Ma. Mm -hmm. Yo-Yo Mama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I know we asked you, I asked you to bring some things to yeah. read. Um, so if you have a couple, although I... Totally curious about the, the California state bird version. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I like feel to, like uh, I have uh, to find that, right? Okay. Now that we've mentioned it. It's like it's like uh, mentioning the gun in the first act, right? We have to. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> well, well, Ada flips through and, and finds that poem. Let's um, some quick shout outs and reminders. There are still Catherine uh, Russell tickets available September 17th. Uh, and also now if you go to the Girl in the Fig uh, Instagram account or just any of their social media or, or website, the dinner the night before the Grenache night dinner uh, undisclosed location, secret John Toolsy dinner. Uh, tickets are available for that. Yep. Um, so we're shaping up for an epic Grenache Day weekend in, in Sonoma. And um, should you miss Catherine Russell this time around, she's Tuesday the 19th? Yeah, at Freight and Salvage. At Freight and Salvage. Yeah, she's, yeah. She, they, you know, the, the key with getting Catherine Russell and her band here was they wanted to sort of fill out their schedule. So they have a little like mini Northern California tour starting with the, uh, with our show. And then I think there's a, the freight and salvage. show Sacramento, Sacramento yeah. maybe at the end of the week, green music center in Rona park, and then finishing at the, uh, the Monterey jazz festival. Uh, so you could go on mini tour with, Catherine Russell and follow her all around Northern California. If I, you might want. Have and to, her, I might have to fly back for that. Be a, right. a Russell head. <laughs> be, a, be a Russell head. It's uh, we'll, we'll put you on the list. Eh? Another another uh, perk of being U.S. poet laureate. You can come to our show for free. <laughs> and you don't as, even as long have as you to read, read a poem anything. to open yeah, it up. Yeah. 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 Maybe just a rocket ship flyover if we can get one. Talk to somebody at NASA. Just that one. Yeah, yeah the flyby. That's all, that's all we a ask. NASA flyby. <laughs> <all we> <laughs> and drop the bottle. Right. Well, I, I want a model of the yeah. 
clipper. I know. I mean, right? it's cool. I'm looking at it online yeah. here. And it's oh, it's, fantastic. It's incredible. I'd I'll show you a picture of the actual model yeah. they gave me. It's really amazing. That's cool. You better get busy, John. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found this poem. This is the poem um, that I think is sort of a, a sister poem like to State one. Bird. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and this is my, it's, it's definitely a, a Sonoma poem. Overjoyed. What's the drunk waxwing supposed to do when all day's been an orgy of red buds on the winery's archway off Garricky Road? And it's too far to make it home, too long to fly, even as the sober crow goes. What's the point of passion when the pyracantha berries keep the blood turned towards obsess, obsess? Don't you know those birds are going to toss themselves to the streets for some minor song of happiness? And who can blame them? This life is hard. And let me be the first to admit, when I come across some jewel of pleasure, I too want to squeeze that thing until even its seedy heart evaporates like ethanol. Want to throw my bird bones into the brush fire until half blind, all I can hear is a sound of wings in the relentlessly delighted air. Well, that's not a, that's going to be the theme of the harvest. Print it out and post it on the winery wall. Overjoyed. Yeah, overjoyed. <laughs> okay, so being from Iowa originally, I know the goldfinch is the state bird. Mm -hmm. The state bird here is the condor. No, no, no quail. the quail. 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 California quail. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did a did a condor tell you that? Yeah. <laughs> as, he was, as he was yeah. picking you up. Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, the poor condor. Yeah. The poor condor. The poor condor. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, this has been wonderful. Yeah. Um, exceeded. Exceeded all expectations. I mean, and we actually asked a couple good questions. I, I know we did. No, you guys, this was great. Not bad for a couple of Sonoma County boys. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've been. I, I have to tell this story about Sam and, oh and boy, oh boy. <laughs> and growing up here in Sonoma, red as a, but, as a but uh, there was a, one, at one point I went in to say goodnight to him as a kid and he was reading words and he was studying words. And I said, what, what are you doing? He goes, well, he had the list of words and he was studying the roots of words mm. and, and, you know, to understand, he said, well, I want to understand words. So I have to go back to the roots, you know, yeah. and, and which I thought for a kid, I mean, I, 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 you know, I was studying words. I was, I was studying to be a poet, you know, but I never mm. sat down and, and memorized the roots. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you think about it, you have to pull it up by the roots to let the dirt dangle from it. And the roots mm. is, is where we get every, where is, it's where our life is. You know? yeah. And the, the, uh, to have the ability to express a love for words like that, I think, you know, explains a lot how Sam talks all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, 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 you know, I have a podcast. Yeah, that's why he has a podcast. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, you know, to, to be, to turn a kid on to the root of a word yeah. and, and the, and the power of a word is, is where, you know, where poetry is, you know, just a single word ex has expresses so much power when, when stated properly mm. or stated improperly, you mm -hmm. know, you know, and, the, and there is no properness, you know, yeah. you, and that's, you know, that's the, the, the beauty of poetry. Yeah. Uh, Phil, I hear a poem coming on about roots <laughs> bringing life and giving life because <laughs> without roots, you don't have life. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
Without yeah. roots, everything you grows. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've got my roots, and and uh, you know, it's we all, it's we all express our roots. And and as I either goes goes back to Tennessee, the roots are expressed. Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. Right. Same well, Kentucky. Kentucky. Bourbon, not Tennessee. Well, you know, I, oh, you know, I just, You're I, a maker's <laughs> mark guy. You should know. Yeah. yeah. No, it has been a while since yeah. I've had any spirits other than tequila. <laughs> <laughs> the one so, what's next, Ada? Um, so I'll launch the National Poetry Project. Um, the announcement will come out on September 6th. Uh, and then I'll basically start to tour um, again, uh, starting on September 20. I think my first event is September 21st. And What's um, the launch? The launch of the uh, Europa Clipper will uh -huh. actually be in October 2024. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So they're still... Um, and you're going to go there and, I am. and read the poem? Wow. I'm going to read the poem wow. at the launch, yeah. Wow. Wow. yeah. Yeah. How about the poem that was uh, read with at Biden's inauguration? Amanda Gorman. Oh, by Amanda Gorman. Yeah, the inaugural poet. Yeah. yeah. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's wonderful. Wonderful you know poet. Yeah. No, we've never met. We've never met, but, um, but I know um, we have mutual friends, yeah. So what's the future hold for Ada? You know, I think um, I'm very excited about the next two years of service. And I feel like um, one thing that I've noted from the first year is that I definitely need to take a little more time off, which is what I'm doing here, which is so wonderful. You know, everyone, I usually get to kind of come in and fly out, but I've got, I have a whole nother week here, which I never get. Um, so I'm really building in more breaks um, because I do think like anybody, I you know, I live, I'm a human in a body and the body gets tired, even if the mind does not, or the mind gets tired and your body keeps going. And either way, that is disharmony. So, um, so I'm, I'm going to be, it's definitely a lot of readings. It's a very busy fall. Um, and then when the project launches, I will be touring national parks. Those will be announced soon. Um, and, um, and also, um, a, a sort of secret thing that I can't tell you about, but we'll tell you about soon. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So you're, lots you're, you're of really, intrigued. really yeah. lots of fun, fun things. The press release to. Uh, yeah. Well, we will. We'll announce. We'll make sure. Yeah. We'll give a shout out. Uh, yeah, folks who are following along at home, uh, you know, or follow you on, on Instagram. What are the, some of the best ways to. Yeah. Keep, uh, keep yeah. I am my public account. Website. Yeah. My public account on Instagram. I just admitted I have a private account. Um, right. No, it's. <laughs> <laughs> You don't get it's that a, one, folks. It's a Ada Limone writer. Um, and then on Twitter, it's uh, at Ada Limone. Um, I've yet to join any of the new things, but maybe I will. And Red then, um, yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, my website is just adalimone.com and it's A-D-A-L-I-M-O-N. And what would you like to leave yes. our audiences with? Well, hopefully oh. a, a one last reading, right? Yeah. That's what I was hoping. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I will close That's about with this as poem. Big a send off as I can create there, Sam. So I think that um, it's very easy sometimes to, uh, as we know, the news gets really intense for all of us. And uh, I'm traveling all over. So I'm seeing the different sort of communities that are impacted and affected by whatever is happening in the world, whether it's, um, you know, climate crisis or, you know, different kind of uh trauma that people are going through and um it's very easy to become apocalyptic and i think i'd really try not to catastrophize in my own thinking and um so the poem that i'm going to read i think of it as an apocalyptic love poem um because what's the what's the you know what's the 
alternate or the opposite of of that kind of catastrophizing. And I think the answer is love. Um, and so the the last line of this poem is the poem that is on the bench um, that has been dedicated to me here in Sonoma. The conditional. Say tomorrow doesn't come. Say the moon becomes an icy pit. Say the sweet gum tree is petrified. Say the sun's a foul black tire fire. Say the owl's eyes are pinpricks. Say the raccoon's a hot tar stain. Say the shirt's plastic ditch litter. Say the kitchen's a cow's corpse. Say we never get to see it. Bright future, stuck like a bum star, never coming close, never dazzling. Say we never meet her, never him. Say we spend our last moments staring at each other, hands knotted together, clutching the dog, watching the sky burn. Say it doesn't matter. Say that would be enough. Say you'd still want this, us, alive, right here, feeling lucky. Thank you so very much. That was beautiful. Yeah, Thank you. Well, thanks for being on the show. This has been such a pleasure. Yeah. Really, Thank truly. Thank you for having me. And this goes down as a early favorite for an all-time great. <laughs> yeah, I think we ought to pull a couple of these out and yeah. post them. And, yeah, you know, totally. some Some nice readings, but uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Any shout-outs, Phil? What's, what are you up to this afternoon? You heading in the fields? Uh, actually, there's a man uh, that is showing up here, you know, that in 2001, he did an internship. He lived in our, uh, bung that's where he bought the bungalow. Yeah. Uh, he's from Israel. He was, uh, so he farmed with me for, I think it was a six month period. And he went back, got his doctorate. And I haven't seen him. I saw him once passing, uh, but he, he's bringing his family by in about an hour. So it's going to be interesting to see him. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Bart? Uh, you know, father of Dane. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you, you know, uh, uh, just, you know, starting to kind of think about harvest, trying to spend a lot of time out in the vineyard so I can get caught up because I'm a little late getting out there. But fortunately, well, the, the, vineyard, the grapes waited for you. Also. Yeah, so. Yeah, so um, and I'll give one shout out. The uh, Sonoma Valley Vintage Festival is coming up uh august 29th and september 1st or is it august no, 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 30th no. and september august, 1st no it's like 20th. september 24th or something no. i think in the last year no. aren't you no. no it's look on the website sonomavalleywine.com yes. tickets are, check it out it's gonna be good for sale and on sonoma spiel uh podcast um, bart was just a guest talking mainly focusing on the vintage fest yeah. plus you yeah right yeah. so that should be interesting with timothy's on isn't it Less than yep. so sam what's going on uh september 17th that's all that's on my mind <laughs> buy tickets let's sell this thing out before this uh show goes live good man all right all right thanks everybody for listening ada what a pleasure thank you so thank much. you so very much for thank coming you. on all right yeah. all right everybody talk to you next week thanks for listening <laughs>